Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence, and by Dow Automotive Systems, innovations for clean powertrain solutions. This is Auto Line Daily for St. Patty's Day, and now the news. As if Japan wasn't going through enough turmoil, now it's facing a currency crisis. The yen is surging in value. It's trading at about 78 yen to the dollar, and that is going to drive up the cost of Japanese cars and components that are exported to other countries. So why is the yen going up when the country is in so much trouble? Analysts say it's because speculators are anticipating the country will have to repatriate yen, that is, bring money back into the country to pay for all the reconstruction that's needed. Sulfur in gasoline is a surprising roadblock to getting more efficient engines. The stinky yellow element doesn't hurt fuel economy on its own, but according to Wards, it prevents automakers from selling cars in the U.S. with lean burn engines. These power plants, like Honda's CVCC from the 1970s, run a special stratified charge combustion cycle. In Europe, where the sulfur content of gasoline is around 50 parts per million, Mercedes-Benz offers vehicles with these kinds of engines, but it can't in the U.S. because our fuel has anywhere from 80 to 95 ppm, and that would lead to very high NOx emissions. Refiners have already pulled sulfur out of diesel fuel. The limit is 15 ppm, so it shouldn't be too difficult for them to do the same with gasoline. Speaking of fuel economy, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is offering fuel economy window stickers for used cars. Anyone can print them out. Just visit the website fueleconomy.gov for more information. For any given vehicle, these ratings will typically be a couple of miles per gallon less than they were originally because they're based on the updated 2008 testing procedure, which takes into account higher freeway speeds, air conditioning usage, and faster acceleration. The Corvette is America's iconic sports car, but the current version has been on the market for quite a while. Mark Royce, the president of GM's North American Operations, says they're already deep at work on the next generation, and here's what he has to say about it. I think you're going to see something on Corvette that um, will take um, the design of the car to a completely different place. I think you're going to see something on the Corvette on a performance basis um, that is quite different than anybody else is doing, um, no matter what the price point is. And I think you're going to see a portfolio of Corvettes um, that may help um, all different kinds of buyers with different means buy a Corvette. And so I'll leave it at that, but I think it's pretty exciting. Mark Royce is the guest of an upcoming show of AutoLine Detroit. Earlier this week, Chrysler started selling merchandise with its imported from Detroit tagline. But at the same time, the company is suing a small clothing retailer called Pure Detroit for selling clothing with the same slogan. According to the Detroit News, Chrysler submitted three trademark applications to use the slogan on its vehicles, on clothing, and on merchandise but it hasn't received a trademark yet. The automaker plans on donating some of its profits from the merchandise to charity. However, Pure Detroit will fight the lawsuit and points out that similar phrases have been denied trademarks by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. 
Chrysler also claims it tried to settle the issue out of court and that Pure Detroit even agreed to stop selling the clothing at its website, but it's continued to sell those products at its retail stores. Tata is going to export the Nano, the world's cheapest car, to Southeast Asia and Africa by the end of the year. The Nano, which is currently only sold in India for a little over three grand, will be shipped to Indonesia, Thailand, Sri Lanka, and Africa, and that ought to boost sales significantly. And Tata will not have to make many modifications to the car because those markets are very similar to India's. Talk about tiny little cars. I'm pretty excited about the newest car they just dropped off for me to test drive. Here's a little tease of what that's about. Everyone who follows my work knows I'm not a big fan of the Smart for Two. I hate the way the automatic transmission in that car shifts, but now they're dropping off the electric version of the car and I can't wait to see how it drives. Stick with us, because in the next few days we'll have reports of what it's like driving the electric Smart for Two. And still talking about small cars, I'll sit down with the head of design at Fiat and take a nostalgic look back at how the original Cinquecento was born. We'll be back right after this. Reducing exhaust emissions, airified diesel particulate filters, high filtration, low back pressure, small package size, excellent durability. DowAirify.com. It's not easy reinventing an automotive icon. If you go too retro with the design, people will call it a ripoff. If you don't go far enough, the car will not look right. Recently, we caught up with Roberto Giolito, the head of Fiat and Arbart Design. He's the man responsible for the appearance of the new 500. Here he talks about how the company was able to deliver a modern version of this legendary car genius aspect of uh, Dante Giacosa, the first uh, designer and engineer of the Cinquecento, was to create a, a solid body white body shell uh, reinforced by itself and by its sections. We are now classifying bubble cars as uh, a certain uh, generation of cars from the 50s, but the Cinquecento was a very different story. So its section, like uh, donuts, overlap donuts, was, um, was an idea to reinforce, to have very, very strong and give strength to the body. And on the other side, all the discarded parts, parts taken from the window cutting, were used as a reinforcement for the door panels. So uh, the 1957 Cinquecento was such a, a first idea of a sustainable process for uh, how to design cars and how to don't discard material. So I decided to interpret this uh, pretty um, fat boy section into more sleek, more parallel lines, uh, but keeping this, uh, this split on below the waistline of uh, the double section as the first Cinquecento head. Just to, to give, um, you know, uh, as, just as a demonstration of respect for a, a, a very straight to the function idea that Giacosa had in the past. Did you catch what he said there? Fiat was able to reuse the steel when they stamped out the windows and use that steel as part of the inner structure of the doors. Now that is a classic example of how you design cost out of a car. Whoops, time for a correction. I made a mistake a couple of days ago when I said Ken Lingenfelter would be our guest on Autoline After Hours tonight. I meant to say he'll be here next week. Our guest tonight is Scott Burgess, the auto critic for the Detroit News, or I should say, the former auto critic, because he resigned unexpectedly yesterday, 
when a Chrysler dealer called the newspaper to complain about Scott's review of the Chrysler 200. The Detroit News edited out parts of his review, and it seems that prompted Scott to resign. I got a feeling we'll learn a lot more about this tonight, so join me and the auto extremist Peter DeLorenzo for the insider's view of what's going on in this auto industry, and Sharon Turlip from the Wall Street Journal will also stop by. But that brings us to the end of today's report on the top news in the global industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.